those of you who aren't visiting from out of town and were here last week, if you remember what the weather was like then. <laughs> I remember heading out from the seminary for my little walk over here, and the forecast had said, you know, rain, snow, sleet, but the ground is too warm, nothing's really going to stick. So fool me, I headed out, and it was about halfway here, the blizzard struck on the start of what was about four inches of snow. As I got up to Milwaukee Avenue, there was a mom and a little guy. He couldn't have been more than three years old. And it was fascinating to watch them. My feet were soaked already, so I was happy to be a spy. And there they were. And you could tell this kid was ecstatic. I mean, clearly he had already given up on winter for this year. And the last thing he expected was another snowfall. And if you were here, you remember it was the perfect snowman snow. It was heavy and sticky. And this kid just wanted to dive into it. And his mom would have none of it. But you could tell, you know, he was kind of looking out of the corner of his eye and they'd go along and nobody had shoveled by that time yet. And there'd be kind of a pile where it had built up from the cars going by. And this kid would be ready to go in and the hand of God would come out and grab him. <laughs> but just thinking, what's going through his mind? And I started thinking a lot about puddles and slushy, wet puddles. Think about it when you were a kid. You'd dive right in, right? Nobody thought a second thing about it. You saw a puddle, there was a giant sign, go into me. <laughs> and again and again, right? Someone, don't go in that puddle, don't go in that puddle. And they'd stop you and they'd pull you back. Even if you didn't go in the puddle, it's because you were afraid that you'd get in trouble if you did. Don't go in the puddle, because you couldn't wait to go in. And every now and then you get your chance, boom, into the puddle, into the slush, into the snow. But then a day came in your life. Maybe it was late childhood, maybe it was early, early adolescence, maybe it was middle age. But a day came in your life when you were walking along and that puddle was there that unexpected, slushy, snowy puddle, that midsummer rain puddle, and no one was there, your mom wasn't there, your dad wasn't there, nobody said, don't go in that puddle. And you just kind of stepped around it. Because you decided that was not the right thing to do. Not because you'd get in trouble, you just didn't want to do it anymore. You didn't want to get messy, or you didn't want to be bothered with it. You worried what someone would think of you if they saw you like that. And it's not a bad thing. I, I'm not advocating we all wallow in puddles. But on that day of your life, that first time you decided on your own not to dive into the puddle, I'd like to suggest something very significant happened in my life and yours. And that's not a bad thing to reflect on on Easter morning, not just because it's arguably one of the most glorious Easter's we've ever had, compared to last week's snowstorm. But it's not a bad thing to think about today because there's something about that empty tomb for the very first time it was ever reported, it was ever seen, and how they just dropped everything and ran. They didn't know exactly what they'd find. All they knew was the enthusiasm, Mary Magdalene or, or whomever, depending on which gospel came and reported it, and they took off and they went. And there was never any question in their mind that this was a thing to do, to explore. What is it? What's this contagious enthusiasm? For the first time, there it was. 
But of course, it's not always like that. It's not always the case that the fruits of the empty tomb draw us in. And we can go after it and maybe think back to the first time as a little kid where it sunk into your own head. God is good. This is exciting. I like this Catholic thing. Maybe it was your first communion. Looked forward to it, so excited, couldn't wait to be there. Maybe as a kid you witnessed the baptism of a younger brother or sister and you got to stand right up there at the font. And maybe someone said, don't put your hand in there. But I hope the priest said, splash away, kid. This is what it's about. Can you remember the first time something wonderful happened to you and somebody said, yes, God is good. You know, God loves you and don't forget it. Can you remember a time when maybe the priest took you back after Mass and showed you all the secret stuff? Here's the chalice. Here's the hosts. Whatever that was for you, times when you had no doubt whatsoever that God was good and you would dive right in. But it's not always like that. And it's not always the fact that when we go to the good news, it's affectively, it's emotionally charged and happy and good. There are voices that say, don't do that. Why go there? You're going to look silly. You'll look foolish. Or sometimes there's a voice inside of ourselves saying, hey, wait a minute, don't tell me the glory of the empty tomb when I'm sitting here looking at, and you fill in the blank, something really hurtful or difficult or painful, something that just kind of breaks your heart in two. Can we believe it then that there's glory in the empty tomb? And what can sometimes happen is that eventually we reach that point where we just stop going. Maybe we go through the motions, maybe we show up, but that thrill, that drop everything and go that we read about on Easter Sunday, that fire has kind of long since gone out. And there's that little voice that says, don't do it, don't bother, and eventually it can sink in. And eventually we ourselves start not going there. I don't just mean going to church, but look around you, and we all know this, Catholic churches all over the world packed to the bursting point today. But think about that for a moment. If this isn't where you go every Sunday, what is it that got you here today? I mean, sure, the flowers are beautiful, the, the music is amazing. You got stuck with me, but you had a four out of five chance of getting a good priest today. <laughs> what brought you here, in spite of all of that, I'll bet, was the human relationship, right? You're in visiting a friend or the family got together and said, look, come on, it's Easter, Let, let's go today. But why should we assume that that is not the manifestation of the empty tomb? Not just because the church is beautiful and the music is amazing and maybe our favorite readings or prayers, all of that to be sure, but if it's a human connection that brought you here, I'm telling you, that's what it looks like, the lure of the empty tomb. That's what it looks like for us today, 2,000 and some years after that physical tomb has long since been forgotten. What it looks like if we believe what our faith says. Jesus Christ is risen, okay. God is love, right? That's our theology. You and I are made in the image of that God. That's our theology. This is the body of Christ. That's our theology. Not everyone is so blessed to be able to come to a beautifully constructed church in a nice neighborhood, 
But that truth of what we say about our risen God is there in the most dangerous, run-down neighborhood you might ever find. And those churches are every bit as full, I'll bet you, today. And all that it takes, really, is for us to reignite that realization, to see that puddle, right? And to say, okay, if I'm going to get to the empty tomb, I've got to go through the cross more often than not. That was Peter on the night of Jesus' arrest. He couldn't see the empty tomb that was coming, and so in the face of the fear, in the face of the disappointment, all he could do was back away. I'm not going through that, man. That could be bad news. But we know something he didn't know. And for all these coming Sundays after today, we're going to see what it looks like. What did it change in Peter's heart? There were tough times, definitely tough times ahead of him. Just like there was tough times that night in the garden when Jesus was arrested. But now he's going through them. He's splashing in them. He's wallowing in them. Because even in the midst of the struggle, he can see and taste the truth of what it is that we celebrate today. And so what does that look like for us if this isn't just a, a Bible story that we're remembering? The only way you or I will ever know the joy of the empty tomb, even beyond Easter when the flowers are gone and things are a little more subdued, is you've got to jump in and you've got to wallow in it. Because if it's true that Christ is risen and God is love, and that's a real tangible reality in our lives, then we have to look right in the eye of whatever it is we're afraid of or struggling. Walk right into the midst of that broken relationship. And this is a time of year when families are together. And if your family's anything like mine, there's a few fragile relationships there. Maybe today when you say pass the ham, you also say, and you know, let's just talk about that thing that goes back 16 years. The priest said I should do it, okay? There's a good excuse. <laughs> That's what it means to say I'm jumping into the messiness of this seemingly unhealable relationship because Christ is risen. And if we're really gathered in love, then it means we're not just giving it our best human effort. Grace matters. Maybe what it looks like for you is I'm getting up tomorrow and I'm going to that job that's felt like a kind of a dead end, a disappointment in my career. I don't know why I keep doing this. But you can remind yourself why you keep doing it. If you're doing it for the people that you love, if you're doing it because that's what gives you another reason to be in the world and maybe reignite the passion that you do have, maybe it's not for that job, but for whatever it is for you, that hasn't completely gone away. That's what it looks like to say Christ is risen and God is love and it's really in our lives. But we never know that unless we once again dive into the messiness and allow ourselves to remember what it was like that one time, maybe long ago. Jesus is risen. Alleluia. He is risen. That's what all the cards say, right? That's the email blast from Underline Seminary. He is risen. What I wish those things would say is, Alleluia, he is risen, and he's covered in mud from that puddle that he's just been splashing around in, and he wants you to look exactly the same way. Whatever that is for you, wherever those fires have maybe gotten just a little bit low, take a page out of that kid's book from last Sunday. I don't know if he got in trouble for wallowing in the mud, but doggone it, he did it. And he'll never forget that he did. 
and neither should you or I.